0: Internationally, audiobooks are the single biggest growth area for publishers and authors at the moment. But until now, it's been impossible to scale up production of locally produced ones. The Publishers Association of New Zealand, PANS, says that's about to change after it successfully bid for almost half a million dollars from Manututonga, the Ministry for Culture and Heritage's $28 million Cultural Regeneration Fund. In the first round of bids for the fund, only five groups out of some 66 applicants have received grants, adding up to $3 million. The remaining $25 million will be shared out over three more funding rounds. Now, Blind Low Vision NZ and RNZ have traditionally been two of the main producers of audio versions of local books, but publishers and private groups have been ramping up production. To find out more about this audiobook initiative based on creating a self-sustaining local audiobook industry, I spoke to Claire Murdoch, who's a PANS Council member and head of publishing at Penguin Random House New Zealand.
1: One of the things that I like the most about audiobooks is that they famously reach readers who we, we might consider non-traditional readers or reluctant readers. So um, there's a lot of evidence that they reach young, uh, younger people, that they reach teenage boys and youth in particular, that they reach people who maybe have trouble reading, who might be perhaps dyslexic or who generally find reading a struggle. And there's a lot of evidence that they're good for people, for all of us, who are so sick of staring at screens or who are doing something else with our hands at the time. So cooking, cleaning, uh, often people listen to them at the gym or going for a run. And internationally, it has a lot to do with uh, commuting. More and more publishing houses have begun to take that responsibility back upon themselves. Historically, they've often been licensed out to audiobook producers. But now publishers are jumping in themselves and, and we've done a lot of that at Penguin. So we, um, we have our own uh, small bootstrap team of people in our New Zealand office who are making New Zealand audiobooks and other publishers are starting to do the same thing. And the cool thing about this initiative is that it will mean that all of the incredible publishers in New Zealand, small, institutional, indie, internationally owned, can all get into this game and it will to all boats
0: basically. So then how is that going to work, given you're going to have lots of different streams? Is this going to centralise the um, production of audio books? Because we're talking about no. creating an industry or a self-sustaining industry. So yeah. what will be what will be different, and how will that near half a million be spent?
1: New Zealand's book publishers are brilliant business people and entrepreneurs, so they know their market, again, whether they small or large or independent or corporately owned, it doesn't matter. So there's an amazing precedent for this whole crop upper in the Creative New Zealand ebook initiative from way back in you know, I'm gonna guess twenty twelve, I don't have the exact stats to hand. But um, the brilliant thing about that was that the funds were made available to a wide variety of publishers who could then apply to a decision-making group, and there's a steering group on top of that, part of the Publishers Association. And very mm-hmm. even-handedly, a large number of New Zealand publishers were able back then to kick off their ebook publishing program and now we take the availability of those e, e- e-books as a matter of course. Um, so something very similar will take place, and individual publishers can apply for some funds. But... There may be a few specific studios or providers who might like to be um make themselves available for that work, but really there's so many amazing independent producers in New Zealand. There's so many amazing audiobook production experts. Um a lot of it's about being local. So if your author is based in Wellington, for argument's sake, you're highly likely to want a Wellington studio so that they can pop in and that you can enjoy the process of producing a recording with them or they can enjoy you know, expert production in their own neighbourhood rather than having to travel far afield. But also, remote recording is possible. So I'd love to see this be an initiative where, as usual, <laughs> New yes. Zealand publishers uh, and our publishers' association with the support of this grant are um, enabling other creative people and other talented people and other expert people to um, partner in the production of these audiobooks for our audiences. But, you know, The next step is that these publishers will either seek partners through whom to distribute them to the likes of Audible and Google Play and Apple and wherever, quote unquote, wherever you get your audiobooks, but also some may choose to be the publishers themselves of those audiobooks.
0: So when I'm seeing the phrase self-sustaining industry, this is where I'm I'm a little bit confused. So this half million, if lots of people are applying for little chunks of money, it's not Mm -hmm. going to go very far. It's not going to last very long. And will it actually end up with something that is self-sustaining? Or is it something that will simply allow us to produce more audiobooks for the next, I don't know, one, two, maybe three years? Again, if the e-books initiative
1: is anything to go by, there's a bit of a a barrier to entry because of the cost in producing audiobooks. Uh, So I think you need a bit of a kickstart to get them to start to return income to you and to your authors, right? So I don't think that this is going to be a short, flash in the pan kind of thing, and then everyone will go back to not making audiobooks. I think that publishers will put their best audiobooks into production um, with the help of this grant, and then hopefully will become you know it will become self-sustaining.
0: In terms of cost, and I know this is very early days, Claire, but you understand yes. you're in publishing. You know how cost-sensitive people can be, and e-books have had to figure their way around that. You know, and we've still got the hardcover books. Bless them. I hope we always do. But in terms of a cost mm. point, are people likely to end up paying almost as much as they would for a hard copy book? Is this likely to be a cheaper option for people because they will be sensitive?
1: First of all, the market for hardcover books is slowing. Is showing? Sorry, no signs of slowing down. And the value inherent in that book, be it a gift or be it something for your own, you know, reflective, quiet reading, hasn't gone away. So that's really cool. And I think, um, you know, rumors of the death of the physical book have been much exaggerated over and over again since the 1900s, and most recently in the early 2000s. So there's sort of no, we know that e-books did not kill physical books. And we also know, and I've got some really cool case studies from my work at Penguin, where... The production of an audiobook has occasioned renewed use, renewed sales, and renewed awareness of the ebook and the physical book without harming the sales of any of those individual ones. So that's the same title, right? The same well known New Zealand history book. We brought it back out again in audiobook late last year to make it available, sorry, early last year to make it available. And we immediately saw, without any special promotion, renewed interest in the print book and ebook. Um, which was really cool. So first of all, no, I don't think booksellers or publishers or anybody else needs to worry about that. Um, and in international markets, we see audio as a an extra audience. You know, for the reasons I mentioned to you earlier, that people who perhaps don't have time or the ability to read at length in print can enjoy an audiobook. Uh, just to answer your question, audiobooks are more frequently purchased through subscription models than they are. In the same way that you might go and buy a physical book. So, you know, you tend to um, sign up to Audible or sign up to Google Play or Apple audiobooks. And then every, about every kind of month or so, you get a credit. And so you can spend that credit on an audiobook. But their price point is not prohibitive to purchasing them. The price point is usually lower than the physical book.
0: It's very early days, of course. You may not have had a chance yet to reach out to publishers, but I'm also curious to see if you think that authors will be winners. If we're looking at great for publishing houses, great for readers stroke listeners, is this a win also for our authors?
1: We find that our authors are super, super keen to have their books available in audio, and many of them are excited to be the ones to read their books where that's appropriate. Yes, it is. It's an additional audience. It's new sales. It's a new channel. It's a new market. love their books, getting new audiences and authors particularly love love knowing that they're in the mediums that people are moving into themselves. So, yes.
0: What about the variety, Claire? So we we know that um, novels, for example, perhaps most will be novels, but what about non-fiction? What about poetry? Are they going to find a home as audiobooks too? The specific
1: terms of what will and won't be funded, that'll be up to the steering group and up to the panel. So if it's anything like the Great New Zealand e project of, you know, of, of however many years back, what we will see is an incredible variety of Great New Zealand books. And again, those can come from any one of our talented New Zealand publishers. So yes, there's a demand for fiction, but our audiobooks are particularly successful in delivering or answering the needs of readers for non-fiction. We know that for a fact. So uh, again, personal example, but uh, at Penguin Random House we publish uh, Scotty Morrison's books. And uh, you know, Māori Made Easy, which are always finding a bigger and bigger audience, as more and more New Zealanders want to discover and want to learn and make it their resolution to learn Te Reo Māori. And we've seen uh, again non-fiction educational use, you know, personal improvement, as well as a commitment to Te Reo Māori. That book has been especially successful. It's by far the biggest-selling New Zealand audiobook, and the numbers continue to surprise us as more and more people find that. Uh, And again, history, sport biographies, for example, as well as New Zealand's amazing fiction, you know, books by Witi Ihumaira, books by other great New Zealand publishers. So we know... Uh, publishers and authors. So, yeah, we we know that there's demand for a wide range of literature in New Zealand. And I think the exact terms of this panel haven't been determined yet, but um, hopefully it will reflect the wide range of literature that New Zealanders enjoy.
0: Well, the announcement really is just out. I'm assuming you've known, PANS has known about it a little bit longer. So where to from here? You've mentioned panels and you've mentioned steering groups. So what happens next?
1: Look, again, the terms of that are yet to be determined. So the, the, the basic plan is, We will set up a steering group of knowledgeable individuals from from the industry and outside the industry to oversee the project. And we plan to use economies of scale to negotiate good deals with recording partners um, and pass those deals on to the successful applicants to this fund.
0: Claire Murdoch from PANS. Let us know what you think of the idea. Email standingroomonly at rnz.co.nz or text us to 2101.